unveiling the secrets A-list copywriters use to make themselves and their clients millions. This is the Copywriters Podcast with your host, the world's greatest copywriting coach, David Garfinkel. All right, welcome back to the Copywriters Podcast with your host, the world's greatest copywriting coach, David Garfinkel, and a very special guest for today's episode. So I'm going to hand it over to you, David, and let you take it away. Thanks, Nathan. You know, people use the term control freak like it's a bad thing. And let's be clear, sometimes it is, but our guest today is obsessed about control and controls in the best possible way. He's copywriter Brad Nickel, originally from Madison, Wisconsin, and now living in Valencia, Spain, with his girlfriend and their French bulldog named Renee. I'm very proud that Brad's a client of mine. He writes copy and manages lists for eight-figure health companies, and this is where the conversation turns to control. Brad has written control emails that get used over and over again because they beat all the other competing emails the company has tried by his clients and their affiliates. His copy has brought in tens of thousands of leads and customers and helped his clients make tens of millions of dollars. Today, he's going to tell us how he does it and give you some tips on how you can use this yourself. And because we're in the middle of a pandemic, I forgot to include the warning, but I'll just say copy is powerful and irresponsible for how you use what you hear in this podcast. And I assume you've memorized the rest of it, even though I haven't. So Brad, welcome. And thank you for coming. Uh, I know it's uh, later in the day and and Renee, the French Bulldog, is taking a nap right now, so we'll keep our fingers crossed that everything works out well on, on that. And thanks for coming. Really glad you're here. Yes, thank you for having me, David. Sure. So um, I would like to say that this is going to be a mini masterclass in control emails, which maybe people have never heard of before because it's a relatively new thing, but it's very real. Could we start at ground level what is a control? So your control at the most basic level is your best piece of sales copy that's working at the moment. So we're going to talk about emails, of course, but you know, in previous direct response marketing, the control was the Magalog. So you know, a copywriter would write a Magalog, they would send the Magalog out, they would do well, and then they would hire another copywriter, the same copywriter, to try and beat that result. And you know, copywriters got paid a ton of money and they still get paid a ton of money when they beat the controls. So you can do the same thing with email. And, you know, copy is powerful, email is powerful. And I think people kind of, you know, commoditize email, but they don't really understand, you know, how email can take your business to the next level. Um, so. That's a great point. I remember we had um, Justin Goff on this show a while back, not on this show, but on um, another interview, I heard him say, this was when he was still with Patriot Greens, that he would pay $5,000. I'm not going to ask you about your fees, but he would pay $5,000 for a good email. His point was not that he was dangling $5,000 in the air. His point was that a good email is just worth that much. Um, but let's talk about a control email. Uh, what exactly, again, uh, for 
For some people, they may have already got it, but since it's a new term, if you wouldn't mind, could you define a control email? Sure. When we're talking about control emails, we're not talking about you know daily emails or some of the other stuff people do. We're I'm mostly referring to, you know, you've got a product and in a certain niche, say, you know, you have a women's, you know, weight loss product. Well, there are all these other people out in the world who have lists of, say, women who would be interested in your product. So, you know, the media buyer goes out and they say to that list, you know, we want to buy, we want to rent your list. We want to write an email and we want, we want it to send it out to your list um, to try and acquire customers as opposed to acquiring customers through Google AdWords or Facebook or any traffic like that. Mm-hmm. So the copywriter goes, writes the email, and they test it out. And if it does well, you can get a ton of customers through it. Um, so that's one of the reasons why Justin said he would pay $5,000 for an email, because there, it's an amazing tool to acquire new customers, which is <laughs> kind of always the one big issue in pretty much every industry. You know, everybody wants more customers. Um, so email is just another channel. Okay. And, and by the way, if that email works uh, for your own list, then it's a pretty safe bet that it's going to work for somebody else's list. Or if it works for somebody else's list, it should work for another company's list, um, assuming that they have pretty much similar profile of customers, right? You know, 90% of the time that's true. Um, you know, I don't want to get too, you know, existential or anything, but a list, an email list is, is sort of like a living, breathing entity in the way that it, you know, it, it, each one kind of has its own personality. I mean, it may be a hundred thousand people, but, um, you know, a list that I have, even if I'm in, you know, the men's fitness niche might be different from your list or might respond to different things based on what you've sent them in the past. So it's generally true. But there are often differences in performance based on um, the list. I'm, I'm not a media buyer. I'm lucky that, that I you know, have people who kind of go out and do that stuff for my clients and they test. I just write the emails. Um, but that in itself, is a, there's an art and a science to it as well. Okay. Uh, great, great answer. Uh, let's, let's jump into some actual examples and, um, you know, to be fair to our listeners and to your clients, you've rewritten some of your controls so that it's not identifying the product or the industry or, or the client itself, but can give us an idea of what a winning email that turns into a control looks like, more or less, yeah? Right, exactly. You know, and it doesn't necessarily matter what the product was. It's, this is more about the structure and the whole general psychology behind the email okay so you want to want to share an example with us sure um this first one and i gave them all cute little names is i call it the this not that email and the subject is what protein powder does to your body you won't hear this from any of the so-called fitness gurus but a Stanford study found the type of protein powder you use has a huge impact on your fat-burning metabolism. Use the wrong type of protein powder, your metabolism slows to a crawl, and you gain fat. Use the right type of protein powder, your metabolism skyrockets, and you lose fat effortlessly. Click the video link below to see which types of protein powder help you lose weight and which types of protein powder you should avoid like the plague. And then the call to action is 
the best and worst protein powders for your metabolism. That's great. It, it sounds so simple. And of course, um, as, as we've, you know, found out working together for a few years, getting to simple is not always a simple process. Sometimes you're going to have to really write it out big and then sort of whittle it down, right? Yeah. Um, you talk about that in other podcasts, the RCA principle. And, you know, I've kind of discovered that that's the way I'm, I best write is I just kind of vomit everything out on the page and then I whittle it down, you know, the bare bones, but the most powerful parts of it. Okay. So, I know you're going to give us a detailed breakdown um, section by section. Is there anything you wanted to say about the this, not that? Um, uh, type of email before we go on to the next one? Well, what's interesting about, you know, we were talking earlier about using an email over and over again is the secret behind the original email that inspired this, you know, random one that I wrote for this podcast was I wrote this one probably two and a half years ago. And the, the truth behind it was, is I got a Slack message from the client and they were saying, Hey, did you write that email that we're going to use it to test to a, a partner list? And I said, Oh uh, yeah. You know, I'll, I think I was on my phone. Yeah. I'll send it to you when I get to my computer and I hadn't written it. I had completely forgotten about it. So I just went to my computer and, you know, this is kind of what came out. And, you know, as you were saying, like it was very simplistic. It was okay. People are doing something unknowingly that could be harming them you know taking a product eating a food doing whatever so they should stop doing that and they should start you know eating this food taking this product you know or whatever it is and that's how this email came out and you know I'm, i say this because i still see affiliates using this email today and i like i can't believe it that it's lasted this long i don't think it's being used in you know to you know humongous list, but people are still using it and making money from it, which is pretty crazy. Well, uh, that, that's, that's a great story about the, the, the power of terror as a motivation to create a great email. Yeah, completely. I knew I had to spit something out quick, so I had to keep it quick and simple. So um, I've tried to recreate that in my mind when I'm, you know, not under the gun, but it's, uh, as, as you might know, it's sometimes harder than it seems. Maybe you could train Renee to start growling at you. Yeah, she can't even, she doesn't even bark, so I don't think that's going to work, but, you know, try. Time will tell. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) All right, good. So um, you've got another email. You're calling it the mini story email. I want to, oh, and we're even talking about dogs. And I know both you and Nathan have dogs, and I like dogs, but don't have one. Yeah, so the mini story email, the subject line is, Put this into your dog's food. Stops hip pain, in parentheses, that is. Mm -hmm. Hi, ever since I started mixing this weird plant into my dog's food, she no longer suffers with painful stiff hips that made it hard for her to run, jump, or even stand up on her hind legs. You see, research conducted by Harvard Veterinary School shows this nutrient snuffs out inflammation in your dog's joints. And piles of studies show when your fur baby has less inflammation, he'll be able to run, jump, and play like a puppy again. Click the link below to reveal the miracle plant, giving tens of thousands of dogs a new lease on life. And the call to action is mix this plant into your dog's food, parentheses, repairs, old joints. Wow. Again, really simple. And um, let's, let's do a, a one-person focus group. 
Nathan Fraser, this is your life. What, what do you think of that as a dog owner? So for me, my dog is old. She's going blind and she has trouble jumping up on the bed. So for me, I would not be able to not click on that link. Okay. Um, uh, QED, as they say in the world of abbreviations, uh, point proven. And one thing I noticed about this that you sort of slipped in there casually, Brad, that I think is brilliant, is Harvard Veterinary School. You didn't say Acme University Veterinary School. You picked like the brand name university of all brand name universities, right? Except possibly for the University of Michigan where I went or the University of Wisconsin where you went. All right. No. Uh, t- talk to me about what's in the email. Yeah. So, I mean, I call this a mini story because it's not a story in the way that you think of, you know, the hero's journey, but it is a mini story. It's talking about me, the person, I put this in the dog's food and she sees this result. So, you know, people love stories. You've probably talked about stories a bajillion times on your podcast. And this is like a, a mini story mixed with a testimonial. The original email was based on a real customer story of something that she did, specifically using the product every day, and then she saw result X, Y, and Z. And it's to me, it's more powerful the little mini story mixed with the testimonial than just you know this very cerebral. You know, it does you know you know thing. It helps you with this. It helps you with that. It's when there's a real person attached, it's a lot easier for the reader to connect with that and. You know, as, as like a, you know, using this example as, you know, a dog owner or whatever, you know, it's, it's heartbreaking to see your dog get old and, you know, kind of break down. So, you know, like Nathan says, you can't help but, but click on it because you can empathize with this person because you know what they're going through because you're going through the same thing. Excellent. Yeah. Great, great example. I, I love how you boiled the story down to, I'm going to look at it here for one, two, three, four, five one sentence paragraphs. Um, I don't know what Robert McKee, the master of story in Hollywood, who has a book this thick about stories, would think about a five, but then he's not selling dog, dog uh, nutrition information either. Okay, uh, let's go. Yeah, it's great. Uh, let's go to uh, the quiz email. Sure. And this one is more tactical so you could pretty much swipe this very very easily but there is a caveat to it in that this doesn't always work and for this to actually work very well you need to have a pretty good vs video sales letter or probably even a text sales letter but a video sales letter would work better because you can control the pace at which you reveal the information mm-hmm. um, for this to work well. So I've seen it work very well, but I've also seen it bomb. Kind of like everything you see today, you, you know, we'll get into that later, but you, you need to test quite a bit, but this one can work. So anyways, the subject is, and this is for if you, you know, we're selling survival and home defense type stuff. Common household item disables armed thugs in seconds. Home security experts recommend you keep this one common household item on your nightstand as it's proven to stop a home invader in seconds. Can you guess which item it is? And then parentheses, click on one to see the answer. A, a box cutter. B, a water bottle. C, a can of bug spray. Now, most people would not guess the answer correctly because it's not actually, it's actually the item you least expect. But please give it your best shot. The answer could save your life. 
And then the call to action is click here to see what this item is. Yeah. Um, boy, it's really curious. I'm, I'm trying to figure it out right now. Um, so yeah, good. And any guidelines for using a quiz email or not using a quiz email? Do you have a problem with Kindle books? I do. Sometimes I really just want to hold a book in my hand so I can turn the pages and highlight stuff and make notes. That's one reason I recently released the print version of my book, Breakthrough Copywriting. And listen to this. On Facebook, I've gotten pictures posted from around the world. Pictures of people holding their printed copy of Breakthrough Copywriting in their hands, including one from an A-list screenwriter and marketer in L.A.'s famous Topanga Canyon. He was reading the book in his hot tub. Breakthrough Copywriting is a great book for you, whether you are a beginner or an A-lister yourself or anywhere in between. It costs a tiny, tiny fraction of my $5,000 a head seminar that the book is based on. So check out Breakthrough Copywriting on Amazon.com. Now, back to the show. So the answer has to be something that's sort of, you know, expect the unexpected. And it, it can't be, you know, a gun if in this case, or like, a, you know, a knife or something that people would, you know, think. And it's important to have that last part, which was most people will not guess this correctly. Because there's usually going to be one answer that's somewhat more of a decoy. So um, one of the quiz, one of the options was a box cutter. That's and then it's a water bottle and a can of bug spray. So a box cutter, I guess you could you know stab at an, an intruder, and I guess a bug spray you could spray them in the eye or you know, something in a bottle. I don't know, you know, bash them over the head, but you really don't know. But you might you know think it's that it's the razor blade or excuse me the box cutter. Um, so you kind of have to put one decoy in there, which seems like it could be the answer, but it may not be the answer. And it's very important to add that last part because you're basically telling them it's not what you think it is. So you have to click to find out. And it gets them to engage. Yeah, that's good. Right. Um, could you talk about, now I don't know if you actually sit down and say, yes, this is going to be the control, but, um, obviously you know, now that you've hit a few grand slams, you're swinging for the fences a lot. Could you talk at least about the structure of a control email and what you think about when you're putting together an email that could become a control? Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of it is based on sort of, you know, sort of this whole contrarian sort of line of thinking. You know, like I was saying earlier, expect the unexpected. It can't be just the same thing that they've seen over and over and over again. Some of that stuff can work for a little while, but those usually aren't like the big home runs. And so some of the emails I you know, read off today were, you know, were fairly simplistic. Um, but they're not what a lot of other people were, were doing at the time. Some of these you know, may not work today as more people started using similar structures. Maybe they would work. Maybe they wouldn't work. Um, so you have to really be in touch with what your market is doing and what people are seeing all the time. It has to be different. It has to be interesting. It has to be, you know, curiosity provoking. And you really got to dig. I mean, you can, you can do pretty well with some very superficial types of emails. You know, the one drink that, you know, sheds two pounds of belly fat in a day or something like that. That stuff still works to a degree, but it doesn't, I don't think it works over the long term as well. Um, especially because if you're renting lists, people are going to be bombarded with that stuff. You know, people love their weight loss, so it still could work. But um, 
you know, I like to, you know, dig a little bit deeper and look for something that's, you know, slightly different. And, you know, like you saw here, it doesn't need to be, you know, some sort of, you don't need to sit down and pontificate it and become this creative genius to come up with it. This is pretty simple. Um, but it's, it's harder than it looks, but at the same point, the copy ends up being pretty simple. Yeah. So what are some examples of, of these um, different subject lines? Um, so, you know, current events are always huge. What's on people's mind? You know, as we're talking, the coronavirus is on people's minds. So, you know, everybody's kind of doing coronavirus subject lines. But, you know, celebrities, Donald Trump, I saw a great email creative after the Super Bowl about J-Lo and, you know, her weight loss regimen because, you know, she's 50 years old and she was in great shape. Um, so that's one thing. And then, you know, subject line that I call this one thing. So these are pretty common, but they, they still work. You know, do this before bed to whiten your teeth by morning. Weird device boils water without fire electricity. And, you know, people, what they really want is like a simple solution. You know, there are very few things that are a simple solution, but, you know, even, you know, myself and, you know, probably everybody on this call as well, what we really want deep down is the simple solution. Um, so I think that's why these work well, even if we know logically that that's not, you know, the case, we, you know, we can hope and dream. Um, and then another one, this is more common in health, which I mainly write in is, you know, foods and beverages in one word. And I'm still not exactly sure why these work, but they tend to work very well. And you see a lot of the big companies doing it. So, you know, for example, lemon water. Would, that would just be the subject line by itself, lemon water, eggs and oatmeal, you know, other foods, uh, fruits and berries, you know, eggs, tomatoes, you know, whatever. And, you know, I'm, I'm not exactly sure why it works, but it seems to work very well. I guess we always have food on the mind, especially if you're in health. Um, and then the other one is just I call the contrarian subject lines. And an example that would be this toxic vegetable is the number one danger in your diet. Uh, we always think of vegetables being healthy. There's a toxic vegetable. Am I eating it? What is this toxic vegetable? How can a vegetable be toxic? Like I need to know more. Um, and, and then another one, avoid CBD, parentheses, unless. So you can do this with whatever market is, or whatever product is hot in your market now. For, for example, you see vitamin C because of the whole immune system thing. You know, first week it was, you know, take vitamin C. Second week it was take vitamin C, but only if it's this type of vitamin C. And now it's take vitamin C if, if it's only this type of vitamin C and it's got this other stuff in it. Um, so it's, you know, you can do it, avoid keto, avoid paleo, whatever's like the hot thing at the moment, you tell them, you write avoid, and then you explain how even if you have a, you know, say a keto diet program, you explain how yours is different and better than the other junk that they're seeing. Okay. And what about the, so th those are great. I mean, that, that's a masterclass in itself, really, because the subject line is, what, 80% of it. But let's talk about the lead quickly. What, what would you have to say about that? Yeah, so, you know, I don't think people spend enough time, not necessarily on the lead, but the first line. So the first line is, and the subject line to me is, you know, if the subject line is 80%, then the first line is another, you know, 10 to 15%. Um, cause that's really your chance to hook them in. Like if, especially if you're using kind of a hot subject line that gets them and then the first line is boring, you can sometimes get away with it, but it's going to be 10 times more powerful if you, you know, use a, 
continue with that hook and come up with you know a very compelling first line. Um, so a couple of examples I have is you know start with the contrarian question. Um, did you know there are certain exercises? Did you know certain exercises can help slow down aging and help you look younger, but other types of exercises can actually age you faster? So nobody thinks about exercises being you know this thing that this terrible thing for you. We think all exercise is good exercise, but is all exercise good exercise? Maybe not. Another one that I I like to use. Um, because I found that it works really well is is this you know this warning about what they're going to read. So it's like if you're speaking to somebody, you know, you're talking to Nathan, and you're going to say something that's you know, a little bit bizarre or controversial. Me? Never. <laughs> you <laughs> might say, you know, Nathan, brace yourself because I'm about to say something that's you know going to flip your lid. Um, and so you can do that in your copy, especially if you're about to say something that's controversial. That's a way to kind of soften it as opposed to just getting right into it and, you know, pissing off a lot of people. So, you know, um, what you're about to see, it can be kind of simple. What you're about to see is pretty controversial. So I encourage you to keep an open mind. Um, that's like a good way to basically say, like, you're going to be probably going to be pissed off and you're not going to necessarily like what I have to say. But if you keep reading, you know, it's kind of on you. And, you know, deal with it the way that you're ever going to deal with it. So, you know, it kind of lowers that defense. So let, let's, let's skip ahead. Um, we're just running out of time. I know you got tons of material, but mm-hmm. maybe we'll save that for your highly paying clients. Let's talk about what's counterintuitive. What's counterintuitive about what usually works that you never would have expected that you found out? Well, you know, going back to the subject line, um, you know, subject lines can have a huge effect on, the, on performance, even if the copy stays the same. You know, I've seen adding one or two words to the subject line, and it will literally quadruple the amount of revenue that the email brings in. Um, my thinking is it changes the, the frame of mind of the reader before they actually open the email and go into it to be more receptive to the message. But sometimes you just really don't know. And I mean, that's this whole gig is you, we, you know, we can think about, we can talk about it and we can come up with all these sorts of theories, but sometimes the honest answer is like, I just don't know why this worked better or why this failed. Um, so, you know, another thing that's counterintuitive is like I said, I wrote that first creative in a matter of minutes and I didn't think it was that good. And I've spent, you know, an hour, two hours, three hours, maybe, you know, even longer than that, you know, going, writing a creative, editing it, you know, nonstop and it bombs. And the creative that I don't like that I think is going to bomb actually does very well. Um, So this goes into, you know, you have to test and you have to, you know, this might sound a little controversial, but I urge you to keep an open mind and test things that you don't like Uh, because a lot of times those will be the winners. And as copywriters, we hate that because, you know, we think that we're artists and we love our work and we fall in love with it. But, you know, at the end of the day, our job is to make ourselves and our clients fun. So you got to put that aside. Test things that you don't like. Um, Never heard that said before, but that is wisdom. And that is money. That's a money line. That's really important. Uh, Thank you for that. Now, I know um, from our uh, private conversations that you are booked up to the gills right now so not not promising anything and uh even though it would be extremely difficult in all seriousness to hire you if someone wanted to reach out to you they were interested how would they do that 
Yeah, I don't have a fancy website or anything, so you're going to have to old school email me at bradnickel at gmail.com, B-R-A-D-N-I-C-K-E-L, or you can find me on Facebook. I don't really use Facebook that often, but there's a picture of me holding a sandwich and pickles from Cat's Deli in New York. I, I think that's my profile picture. So you can, if you find, me, you find me on Facebook, there's another Brad Nickel who I think is a marketing consultant in Miami who owns bradnickel.com. And that's not me, although I own bradleynickel.com, but I haven't done anything with it with. But you can contact me on Facebook or email is probably the best. All right. Well, we'll put that in the show notes too. Um, Nathan, you probably have a million questions, but we're just about out of time. Anything you want to ask or add before we're done? I just want to ask one question, and it goes back to the beginning of the show when you were talking about the different types of emails that you found work, uh, the quiz emails, the find out what this one thing that you can add in is. My question would be the copy that's on the other side. When, you, when it's find out whether it's a spray bottle, a box cutter, or a can of bug spray, does the copy on the other side need to start off as hey here's the answer to the email or do you have any trouble with inconsistent tone or inconsistent messaging between the copy that they click through to and the the copy that's in the email you know you would think the answer is yes it can't be completely incongruent but it doesn't have to be as congruent as a lot of people expect i've written very congruent emails that did not work as well as something that was, you know, com- kind of completely out of left field. As a general principle, you know, you should look through your copy. And if you're going to pull out an item, say for a quiz, that should actually be in your copy. You know, you shouldn't actually just like write something that has nothing to do with uh, the VSL or the sales page or whatever. Um, that can work, but I see it working less. But it's best. It, you, you can keep it mildly congruent, but it doesn't have to be 100%. As crazy as that sounds, you know, if the, if the copy is engaging enough on the other side, people will keep watching or reading. Gotcha. Okay. Um, that was the only thing that I really was wanting to know the answer to. Other than that, man, so much great stuff to contemplate. And, and as you were going through this, I was like, okay, I need to go back and change some of these, or I need to write a couple of emails that conform to this because you're bringing up stuff that I just never even thought of before. So thank you. You're very welcome. Give it a shot. Let me know how it goes. All right. Yeah. Um, anything else before we're out of here, David? No, Brad, thank you for doing this. I, I know literally you're super busy and um, really appreciate it. This is great. I, agree with everything Nathan said and it's it's just awesome information and pretty rare for someone doing as well as you are to share this much so thanks very much oh thank you guys it was a lot of fun all right until next time if you want to catch uh, more episodes of the copywriters podcast head on over to copywriterspodcast.com and we will see you later see you later bye-bye Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes so you never miss an episode. This show was brought to you by the Copy and Funnels Podcast Network.